Hey there, welcome to The Career Prescription. I'm your host, Marjorie Stiegler. This podcast is all about the important stuff they don't teach you in medical school, about how to treat your career like the business it really is, and how to be strategic about your success. I'll show you how to use modern strategies to get ahead, create your own path, and do more of what you love. Every episode is inspired by questions from listeners just like you, so be sure to subscribe and of course send me those questions so I can use them on a future episode. So you don't miss anything, be sure to always check the show notes on my website. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Hey there. On the podcast today, I'm giving you kind of a behind-the-scenes peek at a bonus training that I'm recording today for the speaking prescription. So I'm doing two things at once, uh, sharing some tips here on the podcast and also putting together this special training. Now, some of you are familiar with my speaking prescription course. It's a 12-week course, focuses on the business of professional public speaking and really getting those highly paid or career-boosting, high-profile speaking uh, gigs that you need in order to advance your academic career or your career in the the private sector, your entrepreneurial career, your career as a thought leader. So I've put together this bonus training for my students in that course. It's going to be 10 tips to really rock the Q&A part of any type of speaking engagement, which often, and probably for good reason, really scares people much, much more than the main presentation. So we're going to get into 10 tips in the bonus training, and I really wanted to share some of those tips with you here on the podcast so that all of my listeners could not only get a couple great speaking tips for for managing Q&A or really mastering Q&A, but also, of course, to give you a flavor of the speaking prescription course. So I hope you'll go check it out. I'll certainly leave the link here, but I'm sharing five of my 10 tips right here on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. So for pretty good reason, many, many speakers fear the Q&A. Q&A is that uncontrolled, unstructured time at the end of a presentation. So there's not really the same uh, ability to rehearse and the way to get things really, really polished for Q&A, or at least that's how people feel. But I'm here to share with you some of the tips that you can practice not only to feel more confident, but to have better responses in the moment And of course, to also manage some of those tricky situations, which really are more to do about managing your audience, managing your crowd, rather than managing your own mastery of the content. So we've got 10. I'm going to read them to you today. This is what we're going to cover. Number one, how to prepare. Uh, Number two, the importance of reframing the experience. Number three, elegant ways to buy yourself some time. Number four, how to deal with the question that's not a question. And I think you know what I mean with that one. Number five is what I like to call the over the head technique. It's super. Number six, we're going to talk about the importance of having curiosity and crowdsourcing from the mic. Number seven, what to do when you don't know the answer. Number eight, how to use those follow-up questions very strategically. Number nine, how to manage controversy or frankly, if your uh, person asking the question is just flat out incorrect about what they're saying. So how to manage controversy and factual uh, mistakes with grace, and then uh, how to use your time off stage to really manage and optimize your time on stage and the way you come across on stage with your responses. So that's what we're about to get into. Let us go back to the beginning and start with the importance of preparing. So many people feel like you can't really prepare for Q&A, but this is simply not true if you think about it. You can prepare by sitting down and brainstorming all of the types of questions, trying to put yourself in the shoes of someone 
who doesn't have any familiarity with your subject matter or someone who does and is really, really interested. So maybe you want to do this twice, you know, one from the lens of someone who doesn't know anything. What might they be asking? What might they need clarity on? And then from the lens of someone who's really into this topic, what they might think is most interesting, most exciting, what do they really want to know? So those are two ways that you yourself can brainstorm and prepare for some questions. And then, of course, you can practice with other people and ask them to come up with some tough questions for you, even if they know the answers, right? They can do this exercise as well. And then finally, you can keep notes. So every time you give a presentation, you should be recording and jotting down the kinds of things that people ask you. This is really helpful because over time, if people are asking the same things, that's great market research. It basically means people care about that. They want to know the answer and you can start to build it into your talk if you wish in order to answer that question before, you know, so it doesn't, it's not part of the Q&A, it can be part of your presentation. As an alternative, if you know it always comes up and it's a question that you love to answer because you really feel like it adds quite a bit of value, then you can just leave it knowing that it's likely to come up. All right, number two, how to reframe this. So people who are afraid of Q&A, almost everybody, um, rightfully so, because of that lack of control, there is sort of a feeling, a frame of viewing this as some kind of an attack. It's some kind of um, threat to you. And so, of course, it triggers your sympathetic nervous system and you get all fight or flight uh, and you and you often have your mind go blank when, when you're in that kind of situation. But it's important to reframe this, and I'm not talking about just sort of thinking positive, but to, to truly make a deliberate effort to think differently about the Q&A. The Q&A, if nobody put their hands up, nobody stands up, nobody goes to the mic, that would be a big disappointment. That would really mean that your presentation fell kind of flat. I think you could interpret people lining up at that microphone and putting their hands up that your topic is important, that people are engaged, that people are interested. So what I recommend is that you actually take the effort to reframe this. And what do I mean by that? Specific tactics. Every time you think about your talk, when you're preparing, or if it just sort of intrudes on your thoughts and you think, oh, panic, Q&A, to say literally out loud that 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 Q&A means that people are interested. Q&A means my work matters. People asking questions means that my topic is important. So some sort of sentence like that that feels right to you, I would love it if you would start to say that out loud in the moment when you start to have those panics while you're practicing. And when you're on stage, you can pull that out of your pocket as well. If you do it on a regular basis, I really do think you will start to feel less anxiety about it because you will have changed the way that you view it. And you'll have so much success by deploying this and other tips that you'll have a really good Q&A experience. And when you have that, then you will feel like you're looking forward to it. It will feel like that time to really get into the stuff that matters most to people. So number three is how to buy some time elegantly from the stage. And I want to segue directly from number two into number three because you can use the same language, the same technique. So while you're practicing and you get panicked about Q&A and I'm asking you to say out loud something like questions mean that my topic is important, questions mean that my audience is engaged, when you're in the moment and you're on stage and it is time for Q&A and someone asks a question, you can begin by thanking them and reaffirming the importance of the question and how delighted you are that they have it because it means that that they're really engaged. So you can say this out loud. Thank you so much. That's a really important question. I'm so glad to know it's of interest to you, or I'm so glad to see that you're engaged about this. And just having that sentence does a few things. Number one, 
it puts you all kind of on the same page. You're welcoming the question. You're not defensive. And so even if you don't know the answer or the question itself seems to be a challenge to you, what you've done is respond in a positive way that sort of brings everyone together, that that there's not friction, you're not enemies. So that's helpful just for sort of setting the tone. And what it also does is it gives you a moment to think. So give yourself some time to respond. Begin with a thank you to them and begin by reaffirming how important it is or how much you appreciate or happy to see that they're engaged and that they think it's important as well. And now you've just deliberately, with a little bit of effort, said out loud from the stage what your new mental frame is. So that's really super. And it has bought you a few seconds of time to think, to begin to get your thoughts together. The part two of that really to get your thoughts together is to repeat or rephrase what the person has said. This is pretty common advice, but you do want to keep it in mind because not everybody in the audience may have heard the person with the question. That can often happen with uh, various audio uh, situations. So you want to be sure to re repeat the question. The other thing is sometimes people are pretty verbose when they're asking their question and you want to give a succinct sort of tee up of what it is that you are about to answer. So this is your understanding of the question in a short way so that everybody else is oriented to what you are about to say. This is also a helpful tip if the person has basically asked eight questions in a row and you are going to be answering one of them. So thank them and rephrase or repeat what they have asked and then, you know, answer that question in sort of a short and concise way. Okay, how to handle the question that's not really a question. Now, particularly in academics, I think people really, uh, this is a very common experience, that someone takes the microphone and they don't really have a question, but they want to make you aware of their own work, or they want to point out something that they feel you left out that was important. Sometimes it's sort of nefarious. They either want to make themselves sound really smart, or they want to make you somehow look dumb. But I think oftentimes they really just want to be heard. So this, of course, is not going to be happening in, um, you know, in certain types of speaking venues. It's not going to be happening after your TED Talk. It's not going to be happening after your commencement address or after your motivational speech, um, possibly not in your workshop type of things. But very often when you give sort of that academic talk and there's Q&A time, somebody else in the audience that feels also like they are an expert just wants to sort of share what they know. And it's not really a question. So they'll take the microphone and they'll take some time. And they'll continue to go on. This is one of the things that rising, I think, academic stars really, really fear because they do have respect and sort of deference for the fact that there are other experts around. You can hold your own power as your own expert, right? Your own level of expertise is not diminished because somebody else in the audience has something else they want to add. Oftentimes, it's just tangentially related anyway. But the main point is they take the microphone and they really are not asking you a question. How do you respond to this? So I think generally speaking, you want to manage the time. So this is what's important about that. Because the audience doesn't love that either. Nobody else, I mean, everyone appreciates this for what it is. They recognize it when they see it and hear it. And the people in the audience don't really want to be listening to somebody else talking about stuff that isn't really related either. So um, you will want to, you know, on a case-by-case basis, decide if it is relevant. Maybe you do want to probe more. We've got some of these questions coming up a little bit later on uh, where you really are going to be using these this question time for some market research, for some research. But uh, if you feel like it's not relevant and it's kind of just going on, I would say simply thank this person. Thank them and say, this is important information. It's great to know. And you can say it's outside of the scope of this presentation. 
right? You can say, thank you so much for mentioning that. It's obviously outside of the scope of this presentation, but really great to know. And then move on. That I think is a perfectly reasonable way to acknowledge and thank the person because really they want to be heard, right? And there is no sort of winning in this case. I mean, it's not, I don't think appropriate to say, you know, you're right. I forgot to mention that. Um, because if you've been practicing and preparing well, you really didn't forget this just outside the scope. I think that's completely legitimate. If you have planned your presentation well, and you were not intending to cover that, then you were not intending to cover that. So it's outside the scope of your presentation, but it's not, it's no less important. So instead of, um, instead of saying, well, you know, I forgot or, well, I'm, you know, thanks for pointing that out. I'll add it in next time or anything that really frames up your presentation as somehow lacking. I would instead just focus on thanking them. This is important and great to know and, and outside the scope of the presentation. I'm a fan of using that word and instead of, but because, but sort of undoes it. So if you say that's really great to know, super important, but it's outside the scope of this conversation in a way that could be received sort of negatively as if you're saying, you know, you're, you're wasting airtime here. That's not what we're talking about. So when you use and it may, might soften that delivery a little bit. And again, sort of keep everybody feeling like there's no friction. And thank you so much for sharing that. It's really great to know it is outside the scope of this presentation. So thank you for adding it now, right? Or something like that. That's what to do about the question that's not a question. Now, what if that really persists? Because we've always had that person, either the person whose question is not a question or the person with five or six questions that's going to just monopolize the mic and not give other people a chance. What do we do with that person? This is a sticky situation. It can be really tricky to manage in an elegant way. And I like to use what I call the over the head technique. So the over the head technique means that you are literally going to look over their head or beyond their head, maybe, you know, if they're depending tall, short, whatever, to the next person. So I'm assuming that you've taken a moment to professionally engage with them in one of the ways that we've already talked about, thanking them for their question, uh, mentioning either that is outside the scope or answering that first question. But if somebody persists in a long-winded discussion or they have many, many follow-ups, then you want to say in a professional way that you want to be sure that we get to other people and that you're happy to discuss it more uh, after your presentation is over. And then take that moment to literally move your head away from their eyes to someone else. If you have a room that has two mics on either side, this is especially helpful for those bigger audiences because you can turn your entire body and your gaze to the other side of the room, which very clearly says it's that person's turn now. You can even gesture at them, right? You go ahead, that kind of thing. If you just have one mic and you just have, you know, one line of people, then you have to look over their head. But it's really important that instead of waiting for them to be the one who decides to step away from the mic, that you've answered, you've given a response, you've said you'll be happy to discuss offline, and then you've made clear you want to have time for other people to participate, and then you move your eyes away. Don't wait for them to sort of acknowledge and say, okay, although they might, they most likely will say thank you and step away, which is great. But if they do not, the way that you can overcome that is by just moving your eyes to the next person, gesturing with eye contact directly to that person, you go ahead. And again, this is important not only for you and whether or not you're comfortable, but it's value add to the audience because the audience does not want to have their precious time taken up by someone else whose main goal is not really to talk about your presentation, but instead to talk about other things outside the scope give a better overall experience to the overall audience 
by giving them more of what they want, which is what they are there to listen to, and less of the stuff that's on a tangent. All right, so we've talked about ways to prepare, the importance of reframing, elegant ways to take your time, how to handle the question that's not a question, and I've talked about the over-the-head technique. So those are five of our 10, and that, my friends, is where this podcast wraps up. The rest is going to be inside the Speaking Prescription course, along with 12 weeks of totally exclusive content for my students. So I do hope you'll come and check that out. And for those who are watching this training inside the Speaking Prescription course, let's keep going. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Career Prescription. Be sure to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you're using to listen today, and definitely send me those questions so I can answer them and give you a shout out on a future episode. Bye for now. (music) 